Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. The indigenous Delaware nation, whose homeland included much of eastern Pennsylvania, is pushing for a 1778 treaty signed with the Continental Army to be honored. It would give the Delaware a delegate in Congress. We, the treaty recognized the Delaware nation's sovereignty and promised the Delaware nation a delegate in Congress. More than 240 years later, the Delaware nation doesn't have a delegate, but another tribe, the Cherokee nation, could be getting a delegate soon. The Delaware nation is protesting. Joining us on The Spark today is Deborah Dotson, president of the Delaware nation. President Dotson, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you for having me. All right. So... Just to provide some context, the Delaware Nation is one of three sovereign Lenni-Lenape tribes. Where's the homeland of the Delaware Nation people? The homelands are within the Delaware River um, Basin, which was located in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, along that area, up in some parts up into Delaware. So how long were your people in this region of Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, and New Jersey? Well, we were there for hundreds of years, and they didn't just stay in those areas. They moved. um, Our hunting grounds were in Virginia and West Virginia, and um, so they, they moved around a lot. Our trade route was the Kanawha River in West Virginia, and it went down to southern states. So, you know, they were there for hundreds of years. You're in Oklahoma now. When did the Delaware and Lenape people move? It was, we started moving um, the, and I can't um, give you the exact date just yet. Just a second. I had that up a minute ago. And I I know thinking I'm president, I should know everything correct, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> but after it was in 1782, after the death of Chief White Eyes and the murder of 90 Christian Delawares at Gnadahooten, Ohio, that many had decided to um, move west. However, they had been started moving west. They were being pushed out by settlers or being removed by settlers. Mm-hmm. So you just touched on this, and I think most people realize or understand the history of why Native people moved west. Is it just that they were being pushed by settlements, white settle- settlers? Well, they were being pushed or removed. Uh, they were, there's a, a, I cannot remember the name of the lawsuit, and I'm very sorry, but there was, um, it's a native had land and he had a house there and it was purchased by one of the settlers and they came and told him, you know, we've purchased your house and your land and where was, and you need to move. And because they didn't own land that was the land wasn't theirs to own and and you know we don't believe that the land is something you own and so um or at that time we didn't believe that can you explain that a little bit because that you know that's something that uh, 
it probably is hard to understand for especially Americans today. But we've heard this, that the Native people uh, here in the United States and really around the world didn't feel that the land was theirs to own. Can you explain that concept? Correct. It is it is Mother Earth, and it is not something that you can own. It is it is a living, breathing org- organism, basically, because you can grow from it. You know, you get water from it. You get your food from it. Um, and so they never believed that they owned it. It was just it was something that they were they borrowed. So just to kind of reiterate or focus on that story you just told, so this member of uh, the tribe that had a cabin, someone purchased it from under him, he got no money, and he was told move. Right, yes. <laughs> and I can't remember the lawsuit. There, It was a law at that, there was a lawsuit at that time, and I'm very sorry, um, the, and um I can follow up with you. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, the Treaty of Fort Pitt was signed in 1778 in what is now Pittsburgh. Now, what did that treaty say? Um, It said, the very first part of it said that the offenses of each party would be forgiven and the parties were to have peace and that um, the Delawares were to give free passage through our lands to the troops and provide the troops with corn, meat, horses, and whatever may be in their power for to accommodate the troops. And then um, the Delawares were to join the United States with their best and most experienced warriors, and that um, there w- and for the protection of the old men, women, and children, there would be a fort, and that that uh, they would guard. They would put the old men, women, and children in that fort. And it would be under the power of Delaware Nation and that um, they would, we would um, be given a state, there would be a state and and they called it an Indian state where the Delawares would head up that state and we would be given representation in Congress. So go ahead. And so it was signed, and you had stated at the beginning it was the Army that signed it. However, it wasn't. It was a treaty commission that was done by the Continental Congress, and the treaty commissioners were sent out to negotiate that with the um, chiefs at the time. Mm -hmm. So just to be clear, the state of Delaware was not... I mean, obviously, uh, the name Delaware probably came from uh, your tribe, but uh, the state of Delaware was not created as a result of that treaty, was it? No, no, absolutely not. Okay. So why did the Delaware Nation enter into this agreement with uh, the United States or, the you know, it was the United States at that time? Well, I... And I've read a lot of historical stuff and Kevin Gover at the Smithsonian, when we installed the treaty into the Smithsonian, he stated that it was very important to Chief White Eyes that we have um, a state and that we have representation in Congress because he wanted the the natives to be represented in Congress. He wanted them to have a voice. Was any of this treaty honored by the Americans? Well, yeah, they had safe passage and they were provided troops and and uh, 
cornmeal and horses and and uh, all that happened yes but and, that but that was honored by the delaware i'm saying yeah. what the the americans agreed to did uh, did they honor their part i no they did not because we never received our state and we never received representation in Congress. Did the Delaware fight against the British after the treaty was signed? We did. White Eyes was killed and he was a lieutenant and he was killed. Of course, there's different um, people. There were people that say he was murdered, but he was killed and he was fighting in um, he was fighting for the United States at that time and then a year or so later some of some delawares that became disillusioned they decided to fight with the british against the united states because to, they believed that the british would stop the taking of their lands or taking of their homelands we're talking some history here the delaware nation an indigenous tribe that was part of the lenape tribes occupied most of eastern Pennsylvania. It was in Delaware, Maryland, and uh, New Jersey. But as you heard President Deborah Dotson say just a few minutes ago, hunting grounds in West Virginia and Virginia as well. The Delaware Nation is pushing for a 1778 treaty that was signed with the United States through the Continental Army and the Continental Congress that, uh, to be honored. And that includes a delegate in Congress. President Dotson, let's talk about this. Uh, just to be clear, did this treaty say that this would be the De Delaware people would have a full-fledged voting member of Congress? No, it didn't say a voting member of Congress. It just said we would have representation in Congress. Having a vote in Congress would be great. However, just having a delegate to give Delaware Nation's viewpoint would be awesome. So that's what that this delegate, that's the responsibility he or she would have, was to give the Delaware Nation's viewpoint. That's what I would, I would think it would be. I don't think they would get a vote in Congress. I mean, I, I just don't foresee that happening. But I do think being able to um, advise and tell them, you know, this is not good for this part for our nation and, you know, let them know that that would not be good. That law would not be good. Why is this an issue now? Well, it, it's not just an issue now. Um, we've had previous leaders of Delaware Nation that have talked to Congress about it. They've talked to the House of Representatives about it, but it's never, they've always been say, said, sorry, I'm sorry. They have always been told that, um, they would look into it, they would see what they could do, um, you know, and, but the Cherokees, they started getting a little bit more traction with it. And um, I don't oppose the Cherokees getting their delegate in Congress. I don't, I just feel like we should get ours first since our treaty was 57 years prior. And I spoke with Chief Hoskins, um, it was last month and I told him, I said, in a perfect world, I said that they would get a commission together or a committee together and find all the tribes that had delegates, were promised delegates, and they would contact the tribes and they would say, would you like to have your delegate seated? We're going to seat it this month in November or something, and we'll have to vet them and make sure, you know, do background checks and everything, and everybody be seated at the same time. In a perfect world, that would be amazing. That would be great, but 
I just feel like our delegate needs to be seated first because um, if they're going to seat a delegate, it's, they need to seat ours first because our treaty was 57 years before. And as I said, if Congress is going to stand up for treaties, they need to start with the first one. Why did they decide to uh, seat the, the Cherokee delegate? I mean, what what was the reasoning? As you said, this has been going on for some time now, but why did Congress decide to seat the delegate from the Cherokee Nation? They haven't seated her yet. They did have a hearing on it, and I I do not know. I We had requested to be at that hearing, and our request was denied. I did send a letter stating, you know, that we had our delegate as well. We put in that we asserted our claim as well, um, but they haven't seated her yet, but it's been getting a lot of media attention. And I know that the House of Representatives has been talking about it. Tom, I spoke with Tom Cole, who is a representative from the state of Oklahoma about three years ago about this delegate issue. And Tom Cole had advised me to have a bill sponsored, and that would probably be the best way. Is that anywhere near happening? I've been talking to some representatives in Pennsylvania and into uh, in other states, and we're trying to see what we can, if we can put one together and maybe have someone sponsor it for us. Why Pennsylvania? Well, that's where the Treaty of Fort Pitt was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it would be, it would be great if we could do that and it happened there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some talk that, uh, the Cherokee delegate can represent all or other indigenous peoples. What do you think when you hear that? Well, I think that that's completely wrong because there's 574 federally recognized tribes and all 574 federally recognized tribes are completely different. Um, We have different cultures. We have different languages. We have different um, practices. We are all different. the Delaware tribe, which is in Bartlesville, it's our sister tribe. And we have, we're different, very different than they are. And um, I think it's wrong to say that one representative can represent all 574 tribes. Who makes that mistake? I mean, is it just something that has been lost to history that uh, today's Americans assume that uh, one native tribe is just like uh, all the others? I, I do think that. I do think it has been just they they just lump us into one one category that we're indigenous tribes and we're all the same. We had an email here from a listener who wondered if the language barrier was a factor in uh, the Indian representation as well as the difference in customs. Uh, could there have been some misrepresentation or misunderstanding because of language? Um, back in 1778, during the, I would, I would think so. I mean, that you could probably think that probably could have been, I don't know. Mm. So this was a treaty that was signed more than 240 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was signed with the Continental Congress at that time. There wasn't a president of the United States. There wasn't a Congress seated in, because there wasn't a Washington, D.C. at that time. Um, Should all the treaties that were signed over that period of time, should they be honored? Absolutely, yes, because that's what they promised 
us. And yes, they should honor all treaties, whether it was our treaty, the Cherokees treaty, the Chickasaws treaty, they should honor all treaties. Are there treaties today, other treaties that the Delaware Nation signed that uh, you're, you, you would like to see honored today? Well, um, this one is the one I've been focusing on. There's a lot of treaties. I think we signed over 20 treaties, and I haven't really um, dug into all the other treaties, but this one was one I've been focusing on. And it was because I knew about the delegate and because I installed it in the Smithsonian as the first treaty signed. You mentioned that uh, if this delegate was to be seated, that uh, this delegate delegate would represent the Delaware Nation and even though wouldn't be a voting member of Congress, uh, could offer your perspective. What are some of the issues that the Delaware Nation is interested in that would you would like to weigh in on? Well, I would like to weigh in on Um, Where we are located, we are in southwestern Oklahoma and we're in a very depressed area. And so I would I would like for them to know that passing a lot of laws that are they go across the United States, they they affect our people and tremendously. And so that would be something that I would want them to weigh in on is, you know, this law could affect our people tremendously. And let them know that because I feel like a lot of times they do not understand us and they don't understand how how um, indigenous people, how our communities are and a lot and how they are underserved and we um, a lot of them live in poverty. They're on the poverty level, probably 60%, maybe 70% of our communities are in the poverty level. What would have to happen for uh, the 60 to 70 percent of people living in poverty that you mentioned? What would have to happen to lift those people out of poverty? Well, you know, that that's a hard question because that I mean, we have people in the United States that are living in poverty level. And that's that's a really hard question. Um, I mean, of course, more jobs, of course, education is the big one, you know, to have education. And, um, and a way that they can um, be able to have better paying jobs. Mm-hmm. When you, you said they don't understand, are you talking about people in Washington don't right. understand? And what is it they don't understand about indigenous people? Well, I'm talking about people in Washington, and I feel like they don't understand indigenous people. They don't understand our customs. They don't understand um, a lot of the things that um, we, I'm trying to figure out how, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at a way to phrase this, but a lot of things that, um, we hold very sacred to us and, you know, they pass laws. That's just like water laws or water rights. They pass the laws on that. And that's very sacred to us or land laws regarding lands. And that's, you can't do when you have indigenous people, they do not they don't take a lot of things in consideration. I will say the pipeline with the Sioux, with the um, with the Sioux, they didn't even take that into consideration. They were just like, we're going to do this, but they didn't, that wasn't taken into consideration. Are there remnants of the Delaware nation still here in Pennsylvania or Maryland, New Jersey and, uh, and, uh, Mar- and uh, Delaware? 
Yes, we have a satellite office in um, Lehigh um, College. We have a satellite office there. There's also the Museum of, um, uh, I wanna say, it, it's a museum in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And we have, um, we have uh, exhibits there and we had a satellite office there, but it's being moved to Lehigh. Um, we have, we own land um, on the Delaware Water Gap, but we also at Gray Towers, we have some things at Gray Towers. We have, um, we have a lot of burial grounds in Chester County and in other places. Hmm. Are, are those things, do people know about them? People living today, do they know about these burial grounds, for example? Yes, they do. Where where in Chester County are they? There's one in Chester County, and there's a historical marker, and I, and I am so sorry, I was not prepared for that <laughs> to know exactly where it is. I visited there not too long ago, um, and we received it from Carol McCluskey. She sold it to us, and we purchased it. Hmm. I want to thank uh, Deborah Dotson, who is the president of the Delaware Nation, very much for being with us today. It's so fascinating. I mean, on our end, it's very fascinating to hear about this history and how it is relevant today, but you're still living this. Deborah Dotson, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.